Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Klepa. And on today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Coop Mitchell, who's the founder of Garage Gym Reviews, to talk all things Garage Gym and also the business of GGR, how it was started. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Garage Gym Reviews, I've looked at them as the pinnacle or, or the tip of sphere for strength training equipment reviews. So reviews on anything you're looking for, in particular strength training for a home gym. So if you've been in the market for it, definitely check those guys out. What I really appreciate about Coop is that he really tries to take an unbiased approach to his reviews. He talks more about that in today's episode. But if you're looking for information on what equipment to buy, how to outfit your gym, uh, considerations to have when you're building out a home gym, this is a phenomenal episode for you. If you want to know more about GGR and the business side of things, how it was start started from seeing Coop's dad training in his garage to now reviewing and having one of the nicest garage gyms in the world, that's what this episode is all about. I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed sitting down with Coop. We actually recorded this in person uh, out at their HQ and I really had a fantastic time. The amount of equipment they have at their HQ is is incredible and I can't wait to see where it goes a year or two from now. So stay tuned for an incredible episode. Before we get into it, I want to remind all of you, if you're out there and you're training and you're looking for a phenomenal strength conditioning program, the same program that I use every single day, something that gives in a hinge, a pull, a squat, and then a nice 12 to 20 minute conditioning piece, our NC Fit app, and in particular, the program that I follow the most, our NCX program, I think is undeniably effective. So make sure you check out the link in the podcast show notes or visit the Apple store and check out the NC Fit app. And if you're liking these episodes, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Make sure to go check out the app. And I can't wait for you to hear this episode with Coop Mitchell and Garage Gym Reviews. Let's go. We are rolling. Coop, it is a pleasure to be out here. We are in Springfield, Missouri. Beautiful Springfield. Beautiful Springfield. You know, I, I flew in yesterday. It was pretty, pretty sunny-ish. Today, it is raining like crazy. But we are filming. We're indoors. And I'm really, really excited to be talking to you. You know, I, I look to Garage Gym Reviews, the company that you founded, you started as really the premier guide for reviews on, on strength equipment, fitness equipment in general. So I want to kind of start off here. How did you get into the review business? And yeah, how'd you get into the equipment review business? Sure. Yeah. I can start with kind of like what got me into fitness and then it kind of curtails into what got me into reviews. So my, it all goes back to my dad when I was growing up, just like I always talk about, and you talk about this too, Yeah, is getting your kids involved in fitness. My dad had a home gym growing up. And so our third stall garage was a home gym. My dad was a power lifter. Um, his best lift was 750 squat at 220. So he was he was an actual like he wasn't world class, but he was national class. Went to nationals every year. And back then they didn't have a, was that geared up or was that raw? No, at the time they had single ply suits, but they oh, never yeah. they never had. I mean, you talk to him, the carryover was like maybe 10, 20 pounds to your squat. Not like what we see today with the triple ply, where it's just like the technology has increased. So have you much. put any of those on before? No, I have not. I have not reviewed them. They seem like a lot of work. Uh, it's just a completely different. I don't know, type of equipment than what I would normally use. I respect, I want to say, I respect the hell out of those guys. Well, because using the suit isn't as simple as people think. For those who are unfamiliar with what this is, not to go off on a tangent, but power lifters basically can wear these suits or even like a bench shirt. Yep. But if you don't know how to use it, you're not going to really be able to optimize it. So you really need to learn how to utilize the suit. It's just, it's a whole different sport really than, the, than powerlifting. It's like powerlifting with gear on. Totally. Yeah. I, I, if I was going to train for powerlifting, which I'm not, the guys that I really look up to are the raw lifters at the same time. Like the geared lifters are extremely strong. So people can sometimes look at them and it looks silly, but that's just the avenue of training they like to do. So that's what they're into. Let them be into it. But my dad, he was a generally raw. He did some like single ply, like I said, but mostly raw. I think that 750 squat was in a single ply suit Dude. at the time, which like my dad is similar size to me in stature and everything. So I think about 220 pounds on my frame. That's a lot of muscle. Like I'm 178 or so. So that's a lot more muscle. And then to be able to carry over into a squat that heavy, I cannot imagine. So your third bay was was a strength like was a strength conditioning area. Yeah, which is un, which is not like super common back then, right? No. Like, no, <laughs> because you can't, you couldn't just go on to like roguefitness.com and order a full setup. Right. Like most of their stuff was 
DIY was like welded. So my dad used to get Powerlifting USA magazines and they would have like ads from say Louis Simmons, Westside, and they would see like, oh, this piece of equipment. So my dad would just go in the shop or like he'd have his buddy make it. So he had a reverse hyper in like the 80s. Or the I guess I wasn't I wasn't so it would have been like the nineties mid nineties yeah. yeah and and back then you're totally right because essentially there there wasn't as much readily information on the internet yeah. right oh yeah and there wasn't companies like Rogue I mean I remember when I opened up our gym in two thousand and eight I opened up NC Fit and even then it was difficult to get equipment it wasn't as common as it is today so I can only imagine when your dad was training what that was like. Oh, totally. And so it was a pretty basic setup. It was set around the big three squat, deadlift bench. And then there was some accessory equipment, like a 45 degree hyper. There was a ver reverse hyper, um, just some like bands, chains, that kind of stuff. Cause he was getting into accommodating resistance because I, another thing I remember is he would have uh, West side, like deadlift secrets, bench press secrets, squat secrets, which, which was Louis Simmons' video series, and he would have them on VHS tapes, and he'd have them playing in the background. So I remember going out to the garage and just seeing, like, chalk all over the place, you know, Megadeth, Metallica playing over the top, like, just big, burly guys out there. I'm just a young kid, and I'm going out there, and these guys look like literal giants, like oh, monsters. Yeah. So seeing that, it was like, man, this is amazing. And my dad was always into gear, too. So he wasn't really into like the training gear outside of a job. So he actually used to sell gym equipment to prisons. Kind of funny. So back in the day, they used to like prisons. They would have trade shows, and at the trade shows, like <laughs> they would they would like have like suppliers. And so these prisons would buy gym equipment and for they'd the buy prisons. In bulk. They'd buy in bulk. So this was one of my dad's jobs: was he would sell supplements. He was an entrepreneur just like me. He would sell supplements and uh, gym equipment to prisons. And no. so there's this picture of my dad in the middle of a trade booth with he's got a mustache, suspenders, and all this gym equipment around him. And it's like, man, like the apple does not fall far from the tree. Well, you know, they, then they stopped allowing strength equipment in prisons, right? Yep. So my dad shut down the business because there's nobody to sell to. So he, he pivoted, went to a different area. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because guys were getting too big. Totally. Yep. Yep. So I, I saw fitness in that way. I always played ice hockey growing up. And so training was like a part of that because yep. I was training for sport. And then when I, when, I, when I got into college, I was playing college hockey. Um, my freshman year, I got hurt. And I was like, man, you know what I love more than the actual like hockey is the training. Mm. So I just got more into training, um, ended up moving back home and started my financial planning firm. At the same time, I was really wanting a home gym. And so I was like, man, I don't have a lot of money. Like I'm, I'm paying 150 bucks a month at a CrossFit gym. I want to train more often because I wanted to get some extra work in. I remember watching guys like James Fitzgerald, OPT yeah. and Marcus Philly talk about just like getting steady state stuff in the mornings. So I just started really small by buying an air bike yep. and some of the basic stuff doing that. And then I went online. And this is like what? 2000. This was 2013. 2013. Yeah. Which this was one of the best Woo! years of CrossFit. You I know? mean, you know, I remember I I may be I may be biased, but 2013, 2014 were some of the best years at uh, the CrossFit Games. I mean, oh, no. without a doubt, dude. <laughs> I remember like taking watching all those videos, man. And so meeting you in person was like, if I would have told my 2012, 2013 self that I was going to be here with Jason Kalipa, I would have crapped my pants. Oh my gosh! So you, so you, you, you had a financial um, advisory business, right? Yeah. Yep. So you kind of always had this entrepreneurial. But, well, I mean, your dad seems pretty entrepreneurial. Sure. But then when you graduated from college, did you have a chance to go to get a regular job or you chose to instead kind of do your own thing? No, I've never had a regular job. I didn't ever really. I mean, I worked at the ice rink when I was in high school when I was 16. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, I, I was writing copies. So I would write direct mail newsletters for my dad's insurance agency. And so like, that's just how I, I just, I just learned to work that way. Like my dad never had a regular job. So I never thought of like, hey, I need to go get a corporate gig. The reason I was getting my degree was because I wanted to build a financial planning practice. That was my goal. And so that plays into I wanted to start this home gym. I couldn't find information on any home gym equipment online. So I was like, man, like I'm looking for it. I'm sure other people are looking for it. I had no experience in like web development or anything like that. I was just curious. I'm always a curious person. So I was like, I'm just going to set up this website and see how it goes. Like, I didn't know, like you could make money on the internet. I had, I, 
my goal was like, all right, I'll provide information to people, and maybe, just maybe, some companies will send me like some jump ropes. Yeah, you'll get like a free and massage balls. Yeah, right, 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 dude. And I remember like a company sending me a jump rope after I'd created the site, and me and my wife like freaking out, like, wait. They sent you a jump rope for free to do a review on for a review. Yeah, that is insane. You know, because like that just wasn't like I I had no idea that was a thing. So over time, like I just kept putting more time into it. Was that it. Garage Gym Reviews? GarageGymReviews.com. I so always started with Garage Gym Reviews. You started with GarageGymReviews.com, yep. and yep. then at the time, so you start kind of putting out. How did you start with? So at the time, like 13, 14, Rogue Fitness is definitely around. Yep. There's also other players, but Rogue is definitely around. So there is equipment available. Sure. And so you just basically started just doing what? What was your first ever review? Do you remember? Yeah, my first ever written review was on an Aleco weightlifting bar. So it was the Aleco weightlifting training bar. And dude, do they have the most aggressive nerve? Oh, ever? so aggressive, dude. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I actually bought it from a CrossFit gym owner who – He's like, I literally can't use it because I can't do any high rep stuff with it. It's just for singles. It's I'm for like, yeah. singles. Yeah. Man, I had an Elico bar at one point, and bro, my <laughs> the the neural on that is gnarly. So that was your first ever review. So that was my first ever written review and my first video review because I didn't do any video content until like four or five years later. It always oh. it all started with the website garagegymreviews.com. And so people all people see like all the stuff that we do on Instagram, on YouTube and all the like social places and they can see all the numbers, but our website garagegymreviews.com has always been like this the focus. Like the amount of content we produce on there blows away in volume the amount of content we produce everywhere else. So let's let's pause for a second there. So you you come out of college, your parents are probably like, okay, cool, you're gonna go start your own financial planning uh, business. Which, you know, it is kind of interesting that you chose that route, given the fact that you didn't have too too much experience, like working at a family practice or anything like that. I mean, financial planning wise, sure, right. So did you see success on the financial planning side, or did you see early success on garage gym reviews and pivoted quickly? No. So I had a finance, I was going to school for fi my finance degree. Yep. My dad owned an insurance agency. So when I was in high school and early college, I worked for his insurance agency, writing copy. Then I got my insurance, uh, like, um, whatever the state thing was that you have to get license, yep. insurance license. So I started selling life insurance and things like that, but I didn't really love the insurance side. Like I really wanted to help people on the market and I wanted to help them retire and figure out that sort of stuff because I love personal finance. So I was like, the only barrier to entry I really had to have was like basically getting my what's called my Series 65, which was an exam. So I just decided, okay, this is all I have to do. Like, I'll do it. So I got my Series 65. I studied for it for a year. I got it. I started my firm, and then I just started marketing to clients. So I saw success with it, and I kept going for like four or five years. The thing is, I did content in the same way I did for garage gym reviews. I did it for my financial planning firm. Uh -huh. So I had clients all over the country because they'd find me on YouTube because I just did retirement YouTube content and blog content, and that's how I'd get clients because I could beat all the old, old heads that, that weren't utilizing those platforms. Exactly. They didn't understand digital. So I was operating both these at the same time. And then Garage Gym Reviews ended up getting close to what I was making with my financial planning firm. Way more fun, way less regulation. I just enjoyed it more. And so what I did is I just transitioned all my clients off and just closed my practice and focused on GGR. So GGR, as, as it stands, the primary business model, obviously, is there's a, um, you know, companies essentially compensate you for any, you know, leads that come through the, the, your website. However, all of your reviews, correct me if I'm wrong, they're all like organic reviews and you, you really hold yourself accountable to that. Like, so how does that work? Because I know that, that the, the business model is obviously to get paid through the companies, sure. but you, as I know you, like you really hold yourself accountable. Like, Hey man, people can see through the bullshit. Yeah. We have to make sure we give real honest reviews. So like what, how, how has that all evolved over time? Cause I'm sure it's not as yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So this affiliate model is what it's called is, uh, it's something that's done by every website you visit online. Uh, anybody that's making content online is using a similar model. Uh, we talk about it all over the website, both because it's required for regulation and also because we want people to know like companies do send us products. And oftentimes when we review them, what will happen is we'll have a link on our site. If you go to that link and buy something, that company will pay us a commission. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It's just the company taking part of their margin and giving it to us. So 
like there can be presented, honestly, some bias in there from the audience. They could be like, well, the company's paying you to review the product. But what I understand is I'm in this for the long game. Anything you do for the short term doesn't work out for anybody. So I'm in it for the long term. I know that if I work well for the audience, if I do what's best for the audience, the companies are going to do whatever it takes to get that audience. Right. So I make things for the audience. I tell companies all the time, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, you watch our reviews. I provide honest, in-depth reviews on everything. If something sucks, I say it sucks. If something's good, I say it's good. So my goal is to provide as honest and like as in-depth content as we can on fitness products. And don't worry about the money because ultimately it will come if you do the right thing. So Yeah, man, I think you're, you're spot on with that. And that was one of the things I recognized when we first started chatting is like holding yourself accountable to that. Because I'm sure there's times where you get pulled. And you're like, dude. We got to stay true to the mission, which is the audience and adding value for them. Because over time, if you can continue to build this audience and they trust your your perspective, yeah, then you carry the 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 value because ultimately they're looking at you as a subject material expert. And so, out of all these years, kind of looking back on Garage Gym reviews, so now you've been doing it. I mean, it's coming up on almost ten years, right? Yep. And you've had great success. You know, you're contributing to a large majority, uh, not majority, a piece of any anybody who touches these major manufacturers, a lot of them at some point go through some of your content to make sure. a decision, which is great. So when it comes to garage gyms or, or home gyms, let's just say, what types of things have you realized that have shifted over the last six, seven, eight years since you got into the space? And what are like the, the common pitfalls? You know, we, sure. we did this fun, like <laughs> kind of Instagram, kind of like whatever, 10, 10 pitfalls. But what do you see from a garage gym perspective that people are missing or, or let's start there. Let's start like, where do you start? Yeah, totally. So fitness is cyclical, right? So just like any other industry, it goes in just like round and round and round and like things will go out of favor and then they'll come back into favor. And so when I started, like there's a phrase in CrossFit and it's like, don't use machine, machines, be the be machine, the machine, right? Yeah, 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 so yeah, that yeah. was the thing. And so every garage gym really, it rode, garage gyms rode the CrossFit wave. Oh, for Because sure. you could do CrossFit with such minimal equipment and you could do it anywhere and you could infinitely scale it and you could find the information online. You could do your workouts following main site, CrossFit main site, or anybody that's producing content like NC Fit has. So because the barrier entry so, was so low, it was like, okay, we'll go buy some tractor supply mats, some horse stall mats. That'll be the flooring. We'll go get a, a rig, a rack that attached to the wall, has a pull-up bar. We'll get a rower. We'll get a bench or sometimes not even a bench. We'll get a bar, some bumper plates, and maybe a kettlebell. I'm good to go. I can right. do like 90% of the workouts that are out there on main site. What else do I need? And so that was the thing. Well, just like any other cyclical industry, it starts changing. And so the way it's changed is it's become more machine oriented. Mm. So the beginning and the focus. I even see cables now. Coming. Oh, totally. Like, it's so crazy. Because yeah. like, if you had told me 10 years ago, cables would be like a component. Like, no, blasphemy. Totally. <laughs> yeah. You see it with shoes even. Like the first nano was such a minimalist shoe. Oh, the latest nanos are so structured. And so that's just like, that's just how... That's how industries go. And so the home gym has been the same way. In my home gym, when I started, my home gym looked like you talked about. Or like I said, it was just a basic home gym. I had a weightlifting platform. That was probably the most excessive thing, but it was one that I built. Now I've got lat pull downs. I've got free motion functional trainers. Like I'm using all sorts of equipment, whether it's cables, whether it's a belt squat, like I'm loading in all different directions, however I can, because one, a home gym is really fun to build and having all the different gear is really fun. But two is I just want to vary my workouts. That's right. And, and so, you know, let's start from the flooring. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of just four by six horse stall mats and you know, the, the other option would be like play, for example, or these, these three eighth inch thick rolled rubber that you can either glue down or double sided tape down. I, I like the, the stall mats and what I have found success. And I, I'd be curious, your perspective is, is a few main things. Number one is trying to avoid like the ones that have like rivets on, on one side, trying yeah, to get yeah. double smooth, Yep. try and find ones that don't smell like the, like the rubber isn't like extremely strong. Yep. And then, and then build a, um, 
like brace around it, like, like, like lock it in, right? Because yep. they'll expand and contract a little bit, but if you don't lock it in they'll, you, with either cement screws or whatever, they'll end up just kind of going out and moving all over the place. Is there anything else from a flooring perspective? Like what would you recommend? Horse stall mats or rolled mat? Definitely horse stall mats. Yeah. Yeah. They're so accessible for everybody. I have square tiles from Aleco. They're sound suppressing, but oh. they're, they're like, <laughs> they're, they're very, a thousand dollars a piece. Oh, they're ridiculous. They're very bougie. I wouldn't recommend them like, like, this was my last home gym I wanted to build. I wanted to build it exactly how I wanted. I, it's both something I use for my personal use. I'm out there all the time, but I also use it for business. So I wanted it to be really nice. So I went with those. But for most people, a four by six, 100 pound, $35, $40 mat from Tractor Supply or any other feed store is going to be the way to go without a doubt. Yeah. Dude, you know, it's so crazy in California. I was tracking some down and they bumped up to like $90. Oh my goodness. I don't know if it was because... Yeah. supply chain issues or what but so you know you 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 start off with the flooring okay on a scale of one to ten how important do you think it is if you're if you're building out a garage gym to to have flooring in do you think that's a like a, a top because it costs about you know let's just call it like a thousand bucks or do you think wh where do you begin what, what is the first thing based on all your knowledge yeah i think that flooring is important because if you get the equipment in there and you don't have the flooring yet you're gonna have to take the equipment out and then you're gonna have to put the flooring back in so it depends on how much equipment you get i think flooring's great i don't think you have to get like like my garage gym the entire thing is floored mm. like my first garage gym my first like couple of garage gym yeah wherever i was lifting yeah. So, like, you buy four mats, that's going to cover a lot of area. You're going to be able to do whatever lifts you want on there. You're going to have enough space to do burpees, everything like that. I don't think you have to. Like, you can lift just on the concrete. But the problem comes in anytime you drop anything. You set down a kettlebell. That's cast iron against, like, concrete. Cement, yeah. Yeah, that's not great for your foundation. So, like, you're not just protecting the flooring. You're protecting your home. And home, for many people, is their most expensive asset. So, for me, like spending a couple hundred bucks on a rubber mat, probably a good idea versus like having to actually hurt your foundation. And on that note, let's talk about the foundation for a second. Yeah. So I've, I've been in um, several homes and I've, I've, you know, I remember this one time my next door neighbor comes over, I'm dropping like 225 from overhead and she comes over and the look on her face, I felt so bad. <laughs> she was so afraid. She thought like there was a giant earthquake happening or something because our foundations, I don't know if they were connected, like they weren't connected, but like she said like her picture frame fell down. I thought she was being dramatic, but she wasn't. Yeah. This really is a case. All the vibrations, especially if you live nearby each other. Yeah. Have you heard anything that works well for that aside from like a four by six stall mats or just, just be cool and control your barbell down? Yeah, well, she... She's probably scared because you're technically the California bear. And if I came out and saw you with your shirt off lifting 225, I'd be scared too. But that being said, uh, you can do a, a horse stall mat. There's a couple ways to get around it. One is a more expensive mat like what I've got, which are sound suppressing. You don't have to do your whole garage gym in them. But because they're thicker, they're taller. So how taller, thick are your mats? They're 30 mil, so they're pretty thick. Okay, and I that mean, actually makes a difference? Oh, without a doubt. Because what happens is there's a space there that's air and they have these cups in between them. So when it hits, it's like suppressing the, the sound and all the air. Like instead of it just hitting something solid, yeah. it's hitting something that's kind of like bouncing a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So it, it works a little bit better. The other way that I think is even better, if you're doing a lot of overhead lifts and dropping, is like, um, like the crash pads. Oh, like, yeah. So yeah, the yeah. foam mats that you can just drop weight on. That's going to be the best bet for most people. And they're not super expensive. No. So, you know, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because um, – the we have like those four inch crash pads at the gym and they work really well i hadn't thought about it for the garage gym i don't know why I, that's, that's yeah. we have them at the gym because we had an issue with one of our neighbors but okay. so you talk about the flooring and there's different types and whatnot i think the horse saw mats i think we can both agree is probably a great place to Set start and if you can't do the whole thing you don't have the budget for it that's fine so now let's talk about based on all the different equipment where do you start if you're looking to you know i, I think dumbbells are a great place to start yeah but what are like some kind of like, let's just say I had 2,500 bucks. What do you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one thing I'd say back to the other point that I wanted to mention is you should plan on where you're going to live based upon if you're going to have a home gym or not. Like it depends how long you're going to live there. But for me, I never wanted to live in a neighborhood that had an HOA. And the reason was because I'm like HOAs want you to park in your garage. Oh, yeah. They don't want you to make a lot of noise. 
it obviously depends where you live. Like you live in California, so there may be more restrictions. I live in the Midwest, so it's pretty easy to find like places that don't have HOAs. So that was definitely a consideration for me. So obviously you can get around all the things with mats and everything, but the biggest thing is just to overcome it up front by buying a house that isn't by people that are complaining about that stuff and that have an HOA. That's right. But as far as like the question of, okay, I've got 2,500 bucks, how would I spend it? So this is my opinion. You may differ from this, but I would say that the barbell is king. I love the barbell. And the reason I like the barbell and I, I don't, I mean, would I say the barbell is better than dumbbells? I think you should have both, you know? Yeah, of course. Right? Like, the, the thing about it is, like, when we talk about this kind of stuff, like, in a perfect world, we'd have it all. Yeah, yeah, right? without but, a doubt. But if you had that budget in mind, totally. you love the barbell. I love a barbell. I, I think there's a ton of movements you can do with a barbell. Of course. A barbell is also incrementally loaded. So you can go start with literally 45 pounds and go up to as heavy as you would ever want to lift. Mm. Like, nobody's ever looked at a barbell and said, man. I can't load enough barbell enough weight on there to get strong. You know what I mean? So yeah. you, you can incrementally load it. So you're progressively overloading. And you can use plates, Olympic plates. And Olympic plates are great because, one, they're versatile. So you can use them on your barbell, but you can also use them on loadable dumbbells. You can also use them like we did today for shoulder overhead stuff. Like you can use the plate itself as the weight. So I think plates and barbells, there's just so much you can do with them. And barbells are so much cheaper than they ever were. So let's talk about that for a second because when it comes to barbells, like what brands stand out to you that are doing a great job? Yeah, you're going to love this answer because you're sponsored by Rogue. But the number one, (laughs) I mean, without a doubt, nobody touches Rogue in terms of value for a barbell. Like there are companies that they could go toe-to-toe with them on quality. Like an Aleco and a Rogue, like their top-end barbells, are both world-class. Is one better than the other? Eh, it just kind of depends on what knurling you like and everything like that. Right. But the reality is, like, both companies are making just fantastic barbells. But what Rogue does better than anybody else is they're offering this incredibly high-quality bar at an incredibly historically low price. So the value proposition for a Rogue bar is literally world-class. It's incredible. Now, so, what bar do you like of theirs? Well, it depends what type of training you're doing. So for most people, the Rogue bar, the Rogue Ohio bar 2.0, or the Rogue Ohio bar, just I think they call it the 2.0, but just the basic Ohio bar, which is the CrossFit bar, Yeah, that's the one that I think works for most people. If you want a center neural and you're doing mostly squat bench deadlift you're not doing many like dynamic movements then i would say the rogue ohio power bar yeah because think about it like if you look a decade ago or maybe a little bit longer finding a barbell with 190k tensile strength made in the usa with world-class knurling brass bushings like a great coating for 350 bucks shipped to your door that would have that's a unicorn yeah so today we are so like like we are, we have it really good in terms of I can't of tell you how many selection. sleeves I've had on barbells that fall off that I fell off back in the day because I had like that yeah screw the on hex the end. nut yeah, yeah the hex nut and and so you know when it comes to the barbells I mean I agree I think Rogue does a great job putting out a solid barbell and yes I am sponsored by them they have been a longtime partner of ours but I do think they do a phenomenal job yeah. but when it comes to bumper plates you know you have fifty fives forty five thirty fives twenty fives fifteens tens you have different stuff. What would the recommendation there be? Do you actually, do you see value in getting the 55s or do you think that they're not used enough and you would actually recommend tossing those in the 35s out? So I'd pull back a little bit because you're looking at it from a CrossFit perspective because Mm. you're saying, you're, you're not even asking the question, should I get iron or bumper? Because a lot of home gym owners are using iron. Like in my garage gym, I have both. I have iron and bumpers. I use iron when I'm squatting, benching. That kind of stuff. If I'm doing any sort of like dropping, I'm using bumper plates. So, so now with the iron, do you do you choose to go with iron because they're they're more cost effective? Well, they sound badass when you're back squatting. <laughs> like, what what is the reason? Historically, they were cheaper. So before the pandemic, iron was cheaper than rubber bumper plates. However, since then, in the increase of prices. Honestly, there are bumper plates that are cheaper than iron plates now. So it it used to be like a clear-cut case. If you just want whatever the cheapest thing that's available, you need to go with iron plates. But today, that's not the case. Like you can get rubber. Certain rubber bumper plates are cheaper than iron plates. They're not going to be the same quality. That's the thing. Cast iron plates, even if they're from a crappy company, like they're probably going to last you the rest of your life. forever. Yeah. Even cheap, like there's cheap cast iron that can crack, that is brittle. But, like, most people aren't using it in the way that would cause it to do that. So, like, they're fine with them. So, like, for me, 
I suggest most people probably iron. And the reason I would say iron is because I don't think most people are doing a ton of dynamic lifting. Mm. Like, you know, most people like. And so you like those because they, they're, you think they're going to last basically for the rest of their life. I think they're going to last the rest of their life. If you get an equal priced like bumper plate, it's not going to be as good. I think they're going to warp. I think they're not going to work as well. I think you can get more weight on the bar. Oh, yeah. So, no question. Like, okay, you go with like a comparable high temp, you're going to max out at 405. And there's a lot of people that can deadlift more than 405 pounds in the garage gym. I'm not saying everybody, but having the ability to load more than 405 on a bar is a big benefit. And so I think iron really makes that happen. One of the other things I like about iron, which again, you 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 brought up a really valid point, right? Because I'm just not as you... Back in the day when I was at the conventional gym, when I first got in to fitness, that was all we had. Yep. Then all it was was bumper plates. Now, one of the things I think that benefits you about using iron is that you kind of have to control the barbell down back to our whole point about using crash pads and stuff. I mean, dude, if you're using, you know, metal 45s, like you have to control it back down. There, there is a benefit to that. Um, so we're talking about the, the, the metal 45s, different plates and, and, and bumper plates from your experience. Have you found based on reviews, based on feedback that there is like a specific set that you would recommend to start off with? So like if we're talking about that 2,500 bucks and you got, you know, let's just call it three, 400 bucks on a barbell, you put a little bit of money towards the um, mats. What's the bumper set you get? Yeah, totally. Or, so, or, or plate set, I should say. Yeah, without a doubt. Part of it depends on how much you lift and part of it depends on what companies like have sales or like kit sales. So for instance, if you go with Rogue, uh, they will offer like, all right, you buy this like set we're going to decrease the price. They call it hundo savings. We're going to decrease the price by how much weight you have on there. So the more weight you have, the cheaper it's going to be. So it depends on how much weight you're going with. I think for most people starting with like, you know, I would say four total 45 pounds, a pair of 25 pounds, a pair of 10 pounds, a pair of five pounds, and a pair of two and a half pounds. Yep. You know? I feel the exact same way. So just to kind of reiterate, um, you know, that would be enough to basically get like 300 pounds on the bar, yeah. right? Three, 350. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to go. Right? Oh, there's so much you can do with that, man. Like endless, <laughs> yeah, endless. And, and I think you brought up a really good point about the plates. And this was something that you and I were talking about earlier. And I, I kind of, you know, had a different stance a little bit on the dumbbells. And I, I do think the dumbbells are very versatile, as you know, but to your point about the barbell, there is extra value because now you could, you could, you could increase the load more than you could on dumbbells. Yep. And you could actually use a plate for additional purposes, like the plate ground overhead, which I hadn't considered at first. So I like where you're going with that. So now you got your barbell, you got a couple hundred pounds. When do you make the first jump, in your opinion, if you own an, a home gym for a piece of cardio? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think a cardio piece would come later. Later. I, I personally, like there is a lot of great cardio equipment out there. So an example I know you love is the rower. When yep. I came to your gym... And we looked at how many meters you had on there. Like Literally million millions like of yeah. meters on yeah. this freaking rower. Like insane. So you obviously see the value in it. There's so many out there, like obviously the traditional ones, like treadmills. But then you have all the ergs, like the bike erg, the ski erg, the row erg, all those different things. For me, I think most people can get by walking outside, yep. sprinting outside, running outside. And I think one of the most I would say two of the most effective conditioning tools that people don't use enough. And we see people that have incredible conditioning use a jump rope. Boxers use jump ropes constantly. If you've done a workout with a jump rope, I know like you come from the CrossFit background, so you're doing a lot of double unders, but doing like just singles running, like it will wear you the freak out. Every time I work out, my warm up is a four minute jump rope. And then in addition to that, I think a sled. Sled's fantastic to for pull. GPP training, for pulling, for pushing. Like, there's a lot you can do with them. You can use the Olympic plates you're already using for your barbell, and you can put them on there. You can get a cheap A-frame sled for, I don't know, 50, 80 bucks, super cheap. I know you, it's going to annoy your neighbors, but, man, like, it just works so well. You can do it in your driveway, too. Now, so. when you use uh, those A-frame sleds, yes. I haven't used one before with the um, – with like the skid plate on the bottom, do those yeah. actually work so it doesn't mess up the the road? They have make you, have they you had make experience them, there? Yeah, they make them where they'll put like UHMW on the bottom. Yeah, but it wears out so quickly it's not worth doing. Really, you just need to go metal against the road. And dude, you're you're gonna scratch it up. It's gonna not sound great, but it's the cheapest way to do it. The other way, the way that I use is I use a resisted sled, like a torque fitness tank. Yeah. 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 That's what I use. But um, those are super, expensive. they're just That's so expensive. So for most people, 
I like what I used for years was that. Actually, the first thing I had was I took a tire, I built a frame and wood out of it, and then I put a like a an upright post on it, and I would put my weight on there, and I would just drag and a just tire. Just drag a tire, dude. Like you can get so much good training out of simple tools that are cheap. Well, so okay, you you talk about your dad how kind of like do it yourself and and. There is like, you kind of have like a whole thing out about do it yourself gyms. So like, yeah. what other things can you do it yourself? Like I've seen some of these build yourself squat racks and I'm just like, dude, nowadays squat racks are pretty affordable. Yeah. They like, ah, I don't know if it really makes sense to build one out of wood anymore. Yeah. Like what? Cause my first ever pull up rig, we, uh, from, for a few of our gyms was built out of wood and you know, we, we had a, uh, an abundant amount of experiences good and bad <laughs> building our own pull-up rigs, right? We've had the bar break off before and whatnot, but what else could you build at home that we haven't, that, that doesn't like the, for example, that wouldn't have crossed my mind with the, the tire behind you. That's like old school stuff. What else comes to mind? Yeah. Well, when the pandemic happened and people couldn't get gear, like it's not only that they couldn't afford it, but they literally like it wasn't in stock. We made a ton of DIY stuff. And so one that we did was squat rack, so we did squat stance. Yeah. And so we took a we took like a five gallon bucket. Yeah. Filled it with concrete and put some wooden two by fours stacked together in there. And I loaded it up with four hundred and fifty pounds or so, like squatting on it. And like, yeah, it's not the safest thing in the world. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest benching on it. At the same time, if you got to get it done, like, get it done. And so that's something you can do. Um, we've made a bench before, so you know just a wooden bench with a foam top. We've done that. Um, we've done a cable machine. So there's a way where we made like this, we used this pulley from Home Depot with a cable on it yeah. and attached a loading pin with plates. Again, Olympic weight plates, using those as the resistance method. And we were able to do lat pull downs, low rows, all that sort of stuff. So uh, there's, I mean, pull-up bars is an easy one. Like you can do dumbbells, just take a big fat, uh, like dumbbell hand or a schedule 80 pipe yeah. from Home Depot, put two collars on it. You can use that. Uh, I've made an axle bar wait, wait, go from back Home to the, Depot. Yeah. So back to the dumbbell. Yeah, so yeah. you grab like a piece of like, let's just say like plumbing pipe, right? Yep, yep. And they have like the... They have screw nuts on them. Yep. So you can you can basically take like, say like a four inch section or something and just screw two pieces together or three pieces together. And so you'll have basically there you'll have your loading area and your handle area. Yeah, but fat, and and then what do you load it with? Like the two Olympic and a half weight plates. Oh, yeah. So you could put you could put your tens on there if you got change plates. Like you could put more <laughs> of those on there. I mean, you could put thicker plates. Yeah, it's going to get in the way. But if you're doing rows, I mean, you can get creative with it. I mean, you can do Turkish get ups with it. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that yeah. with the plumbing pipe. I mean, it's, huh. it's cheap, and I'm not saying it's ideal. But I do love the phrase, the Theodore Roosevelt quote that's do the, what you can with what you have where you are. Yeah. And so people preventing themselves from reaching their goals because they don't have the money or they don't have the space or they don't have the stuff, is a, it's, it's awful. That's not how it should be. Right. And so speaking of space, I mean, I, I'm obviously, I love dumbbells. If you had to recommend, would you think to purchase dumbbells or kettlebells first? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I would say dumbbells. Yeah. I like dumbbells better. I like you can do similar stuff with each of them, but pressing like doing bench with kettlebells and they're just more expensive and you can't get as good of adjustable versions as you can on the dumbbell side. See, I love, I love adjustable dumbbells. So I've never used adjustable dumbbells. My father-in-law had a pair at his house at one point, like a Bowflex set or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Select Tech 1080s or Whatever. 552s. Yeah. Dude, by the way, for anybody listening right now, <laughs> Coop, uh, like you could ramble off more. Like, so by the way, I have to, to, to kind of level set before we talk about selectural uh, dumbbells. We're at HQ for you, and you have more equipment here from more companies and more brands than I've ever seen in one place. Your virtual training section <laughs> yeah. is like is like something out of like Nordstrom's meets totally like training. Like you have, <laughs> awesome. what, what do you have? You have like the oh, we've got you, tempo, everything. we've got tonal, we've got all the Nordic track stuff, we've got climber, we've got Peloton, <laughs> all their Peloton stuff, we've got Vitruvian, we've got some like prototype stuff in there. 
Yeah, I, I think smart home gyms are really popular, and I also really like them. I think they're great to get people moving more. Like, ultimately, that was my goal is how can I get people moving more, and so how can I recommend equipment that will help people do that? And I think smart home gyms is one way to make that happen because it removes friction. My wife, we literally have probably one of the world's best garage gyms. She only uses tonal. She just goes into the bedroom clicks the thing it tells her what to do picks yep. the weight for it just removes friction my wife doesn't love training anymore she doesn't have time she's dealing with the kids so this is a way that she can get in and get it done so anything that allows people to do that like i'm for people get mad at me sometimes because they're like coop you're abandoning your ways you love the barbell but if i if if it's either somebody uses a barbell or nothing i'm not that way right like it like I'm fine with in between. I'm fine with somebody using tonal versus using nothing. I'm fine with somebody using an elliptical versus using nothing because movement is better than no movement. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And and so I want to get back into that, but before we get there, just to kind of close the loop on these adjustable dumbbells. So what adjustable dumbbell I think I saw you put up a review at one point, but for people who are interested, like what are the pros and cons of adjustable dumbbells? Yeah, adjustable dumbbells I love I I really big fan. By the way, we have bought and reviewed every adjustable dumbbell on the market. So I have all of them in comparison to one another. How many done different types? Like 10? Oh, no, there's probably 20, 20 something, 20 to 30. Yeah, we've got a lot. And so... And is there a big variance between like good and bad? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can get really cheap stuff that doesn't work really well, that's hard to use, it's clunky. Like this, the... Adjustable dumbbells I like are the ones that feel most like a regular dumbbell and also are the quickest to change. Mm. If something feels like a normal dumbbell but takes a while to change, I'm less likely to recommend it. I really like quick changing because I, I don't like – this is for me personally. I think most home, gymers, home gym owners are this way is I don't like having to spend a ton of time setting my equipment up. Right. I like to go out and just get it done. So I have fixed dumbbells in my garage. That's what I use most of the time. But I also use adjustable dumbbells depending on where I'm at. What's so. the brand of the adjustable dumbbells that you like? So work? we have two that we really like. Power Blocks, which are like the durable king. They've been around forever. I like them so much because they're so proven. They're just mm. so durable. They, they're quick to change. They go heavy. But they feel different. They're a little unconventional. They're a square design. They have rails that wrap your hand in. Yeah, yeah, Some yeah, people yeah, yeah. don't like that. So for people that don't like that and they just want whatever feels the most like a fixed dumbbell, it's Newabells. Newabells are fantastic. They're a quick change. So like to change the weight, they're by far the quickest way to change. They aren't as durable, but there's no cage. So it's just like you just spin the handle and then it switches the weight, tells you what the weight is. It adds on another plate and it can go all the way from 10 pounds all the way up to 80 pounds. So now in a small floor, floor right. print and for like not a super expensive cost, we're looking 700, 800 bucks. So for a set of dumbbells that goes all the way from 10 pounds in five pound increments all the way up to 80 pounds, if you were to buy that in fixed dumbbells, think about that. Like pairs of each of those, that would take up a ton of space and it would cost a ton of money. That's why I like adjustables. So you have your adjustable dumbbells or maybe your fixed dumbbells, which you and I both have in our garages. Yep. You have your barbell. You have a little bit of extra b budget. What's the final piece if you're – well, I mean, you probably can get a little bit more if you're spending 2500 bucks. But let's just say you're spending 1500 bucks. Yeah. Right? What's what's the final – what's the next thing you buy? So I think I, – I mean, the ultimate upper bodybuilder, I think, for most people is uh, Olympic rings, gymnastics rings. Huh. I think, I think the amount of – the amount of strength you can develop in your upper body with Olympic rings is incredible. Like, like you doing see dips, guys doing push-ups on them. Levers, all, yeah. ring rows, muscle-ups, like just hanging. Like the, I use I use my, my Olympic rings. I have access to all the equipment in the world. I use my Olympic rings every day. I hang from them. I, I accumulate seven minutes of hanging each day for my grip and just for my overall shoulder health and back health. So I, I'm constantly hanging. It's and you a, just hung those from the, from I the just rafter? Hang them from, uh, yeah, I've got them hung from a rogue ring hanger, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I've got them hung from that. Um, but I'll use them for, like, I don't know. Like yesterday I was doing some ab work, and I was doing basically knees to elbows, but doing slow, controlled stuff. Yeah. I'll use them for levers. I'll use them – right now I'm trying to work on a one-arm pull-up, so I'll attach – uh, like a band on one of them to me. And then I'll basically come down like this, just like working that motion huh. um, or archer pull-ups. Yeah, so yeah. Going yeah. out like this. 
um, ring rows, dips, push-ups, you name it. I think I think rings, and they're so freaking cheap. That one is a lot like a jump rope or a sled in that I think just super effective and really cheap. Yeah, but there there is something that I think we forgot to mention that I like a lot, and that is a squat rack. There's a lot you can do with a squat rack. Oh yeah, I even think about because yeah. in and in particular, would you recommend that if someone's gonna invest in a squat rack, they should more than likely invest in one that also accompanies by a pull-up bar. Oh, without a doubt. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's really no reason to get a squat rack if it doesn't come with a pull-up bar. Now you can buy a you can buy squat stands, independent squat stands, but the price isn't going to be that right. much different from a squat stand with a pull-up bar. So you might as well get one with a pull-up bar. You might as well get one. And with it's going to be safer because I do not like people benching alone without safety spotters. I don't care how much. I don't care how cheap it is. I don't care like if people don't have any money. I would rather people not bench than bench alone. You know what I mean? Like yep. it's just like like. If you're gonna bench, you need to have safety spotters. I don't feel I don't feel good recommending to people going into their home gym by themselves and benching without safety spotters to protect them. Because I personally know people that like that they've gotten hurt doing it. And there's people out there that have died from the bar rolling That's on right. them. It's just like it's a real thing. So if you're gonna buy a squat rack, your recommendation is to buy the additional safety uh, squat arms, like those little spotter arms, and or if you get a cage then you can get the the you know the straps that go in there. Totally. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. Like right. obviously you can go with like a rogue level rack. Sure. But we tested a I think it was $250 Amazon rack <laughs> for Fitness Reality. We dropped 800 pounds on the spotter arms yeah. from 6 foot high. It held it just fine. Like so so yeah, like it's nice to have 11 gauge steel 3x3 three three uprights. Like I prefer that too. But if you're just looking to lift, you don't have to spend a lot of money to lift safely. And so I think checking out solutions like that, like that's the way to go. So let's talk about safety. You know, you and I, we've talked about a few things. Obviously, we've been spending a lot of time together today. But, you know, at NC Fit, we own and operate gyms. We have our NC Fit app and we put out, you know, warm up, workout, et cetera. And we try and give people variety and we try and give them great strength and conditioning in our NCX program in particular. But one of the things that you and I were talking about is that one of the pitfalls is people not warming up and not having fun and not looking at training through this lens of like doing it for the rest of their life. So when you're looking at your garage gym, arguably one of the nicest garage gyms in the world, that's great, but that's only a piece of it. Like having the nicest gym isn't worth anything unless you could utilize it oh, effectively. Totally. So when you're preparing for a workout in your garage, like what, what is your like go-to? What are things that you think about? What type of training, like like what's the flow look like? You know, how, what, what are some lessons learned? You've been in the garage gym for years. What, is, what are some lessons learned? Yeah. So, uh, a big one for me is to have accountability. Mm. So I have a coach who like is programming my workouts. So I'm basically, uh, <laughs> my workouts are a little bit different in that. Yeah. I'm training for my goals at the same time. I'm training to review things. So I'm constantly putting in different equipment so I can give my perspective on it. And so I use everything that we like give reviews on. So I feel like I've got to use it in my workouts and like put time into it. So because of that, my training is constantly changing, but I work out pretty much every day. I work out at the same time every day. I work at 10:30 AM every day. So it'll be like, I work out right after I work out, I eat my, my lunch. So it's basically my lunch hour. That's when I'm working out. Um, yeah. And I spend an hour out there. I've got a coach who's programming for me and then I'm talking with him about how it went, uh, what I want to do next time, everything like that. We train in blocks. So it's like a four week block. I do mostly strength work, um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And then the rest of the days I'm doing some sort of conditioning work and I'll do, I'll mix it up. I'll do steady state stuff. That's longer duration. I'll do hit type stuff. I'll do sprint work. Um, I, I want, I want fitness to be like a part of my life. Like I want it to be just like ingrained in me every day, all throughout the day I'm working out. So I don't like you, I'm not just budgeting. All right, here's my hour workout. And then the rest of the day I'm doing nothing. Like I'm acu accumulating time on the pull-up bar every day. I'm accumulating time in a flat-footed squat just to work on my range of motion and just to like sit there and uh, like just get better in it. I'm doing like conditioning. I have a treadmill in my office so I can work at my desk and like at, while walking. So my training kind of looks like that. But I think a big one for me was having accountability. Having accountability. Yeah. And you can get that obviously by visiting you know, getting involved at a gym, yep. you could find a neighbor. There's all different types of way, but you have, you know, kind of like this one-on-one -on -one personal training experience, which, which is great. And then you get to test out the different equipment, which is awesome because you can put reviews on it. Yeah. And so, 
you know, when you look at your training and how it's evolved over the years, it sounds like, you know, you were training for hockey, you fell in love with the training and then you get into CrossFit. And so how has your training evolved now that you have kids and what specific like training protocol have you found? So you, 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 you kind of touched on it now, but I'm wondering like if there's some secret sauce that you found that you really think has been in, like a, a new component to your training that's like, that's, that's changed the game for you. For example, you, you briefly mentioned like barefoot squatting, yeah. like anything come to mind that like people wouldn't think of that you have seen a direct impact on your fitness from. Yeah. Um, just training every day. So like yeah, making the habit. So yeah. it's just like consistency training for the long term. So a phrase I like that I got from Peter Atia is training to be a badass 90 year old. Yeah. Like I'm not training for tomorrow. Like I, I'm not training necessarily for performance though. When I talk to my coach and he's like, all right, what do you want to do? Like, what are you training for? Like, he doesn't really ask me the question anymore because he knows what I'm going to say, but I'm training for long term. I want to be able to play with my kids when I'm older. Like, I want to be able to do, you know, the, the daily activities for the rest of my life. I want to be able to squat, hinge, pull, press, all that stuff every day for the rest of my life. So I want to be able to do that. I want to be, I want to be useful. So like, Part of me is I'm like, I'm trying to glorify God through my body and how I use it. And so I want to be able to use my body to glorify him for the rest of my life. So that means being useful and being useful doesn't necessarily look like big muscles, like useful muscles aren't necessarily like big muscles, right? Mm. Like, you know, so like, yeah, I want to like have hypertrophy and I want to look good naked for my wife at the same time. Like I want to be able to move. I don't want to be, I don't want to be this flashy car that can only go, you know, 50 miles, 50 an, miles hour, an hour, right? right? Yeah. I want to be able to, I want to be able, be able to actually work. So if you were to call me up sometime or like, Hey, Coop, do you want to go to this, you know, race or do this, whatever thing I want to be able to drop the hat, be able to do it year round, no matter what. So I train kind of for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Dude. I, I love that, man. I, I think the story of garage gym reviews is super inspiring just because you got into it for the right reasons and you had the background with your dad. And I think that's really, really cool. Plus you're just, you're just, you are exactly what you are. I watched you move earlier on our videos. You move. Thank you. You move really, really well. Um, you know, something I, I wanted to ask you before we kind of close out here is like, is there any piece of equipment that you, that, that kind of shocked you? Like something that's like really affordable that you would think kind of not be a great piece of equipment, but you just got on it. You're like, wow, for the price, like this thing, and I don't care whatever the brand is, like anything that come to mind that you think is a great value right now in the industry. Mm, yeah. Aside from the, I mean, the rogue barbell is a great value, but other, other things. Sure. Something unique. Uh, there is something unique, um, that I've found. I use more often than I thought, and it's priced really affordably. It's an old idea, but it has been redone. <clears throat> and that is, uh, monkey feet. Have you heard of monkey feet? Monkey feet. Monkey feet. Are those the those aren't the toe spaces. No, right? no, 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 <laughs> no. These are they're by this company called Animal House Fit, and they basically there's this old idea York used to make them, and they were called iron boots, and they basically were a way to attach weight to your feet. Oh, and so yes. monkey feet. They look like when I first saw them, I was like, man, these look so gimmicky. It right. Like, looks like a skateboard shoe. You attach a dumbbell to it, but man, for garage gym owners. Like for isolation work, like there's just really no way to do leg extensions, leg curls, also leg raises. Like there's so many functional movements I think you can do by attaching weight to your feet. Like we don't think about it like upper body, like we have hands so I can grab a dumbbell. Like we're working like externally like, like this all the time. But we're not doing that with our legs, right? Like we're always just pushing. So I think being able to add a weight to your foot with like a dumbbell and the way that you can do that is with monkey feet has been super helpful for me. Monkey it's, it's feet. cheap. I need to look this up. So you could basically lay on your back and perform like leg presses up if you want to. Oh yeah, you could do or that. Or you could sit on a bench and do extensions. Extensions. Or I like to hang from a pull-up bar and do leg raises for hip flexors or stand on a bench and like have one leg off and do leg raises. Like there's just so much you can do with them and because they're, or you can put your knee up against a wall and do hamstring raises. Like there's just a lot that I think you can't do in a garage gym or a home gym unless you have a specific machine for it that does one thing. It's not worth having, but something like this, you can just use the equipment you've already got and they're cheap. I, I, I really like them. So monkey feet. Monkey okay. feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one last thing again before is – when you look at like the, the, the broad spectrum of garage gyms, you start off with dumbbells and barbell and maybe you get some kettlebells and then eventually 
you know, we talked about adding this piece of cardio tool. At what point do you add the cardio tool and or like a, fan, a fancy supplemental tool? What do you need to have first before you give yourself the okay to buy a rower, to buy, uh, you know, an echo bike? When, when do you give yourself the, the totally. green light? Yeah, so we talked about this earlier, but I like the idea of rewarding yourself. Yes. You know, so like I think this could work with food. I think it can also work with things. But like, all right, I start my home gym with my basic essentials. And I'm going to tell myself, okay, if I do, if I stick to my program and I work out for three months, six months, whatever the time duration is. Yeah, three to four days a week, whatever it is. Yeah, and I'm consistent in it. Then I can buy X piece of equipment. I think the people that buy it all at once and aren't used to training in the home gym, it can be really overwhelming because you're training by yourself. A lot of people like the external motivation of a class like you do at CrossFit gyms or you do at NC Fit. Like being able to do it in a class is really effective or being able to c- go to a commercial gym. And there's just something about even if you're not talking to people, yeah, having you somebody like there. around their energy. Yeah, yeah. It definitely plays a part. So it's a skill you have to build. But I will say that the skill of being able to do hard things by yourself is one that we should train. And that's w- another reason I like the home gym. Yeah. And so uh, – Yes, I think there's it's mutually beneficial, right? You could do in the gym, you could also do in, in your garage, um, but I, but when it when it comes to this, like, I guess timeline, it's a really good way to put it, like to earn your equipment, basically. Yeah, is like, is that like, hey, I'm gonna train three days a week for the next three months, and like, basically, when someone starts their home gym, they should create their timeline. And then, you know, basically, obviously make sure that your significant other, whoever's on board with the spend, but say, Hey, if I keep doing this for the next six months, that's the recommendation. I love that. It's almost like a cherry every six months or every year. And then at that point, then you start with the fundamentals, which I imagine, like we talked about squat rack, barbell, you know, dumbbells, and in your case rings, which I think is a good addition. Then, then is the next jump. You just make the decision on what you actually want. Maybe you get a bike then. Yeah, I think it depends on the type of training you're doing. Yeah. Like if somebody really like is just trying to train for strength, then I think just walking is fine. I think if you're going to use a bike, I think a mistake that people make is they'll often buy conditioning equipment first. Yes. You know, instead of strength. But like conditioning, I don't think you have to have a piece of equipment for conditioning where you kind of have to have something like, yeah, you can go out and lift logs and rocks and stuff. But, like, we live mm-hmm. in the 21st century. Like, you don't need to do that. So I think for most people, like, buying a strength tool is probably a better use of their funds. But at the same time, like, I just want to get people moving more. So if they're going to use a conditioning tool, then buying it sooner than later, I'm fine with. Whatever is going to help them be more consistent. But I, I, I think, you know, I can broadly say if you're going to buy a conditioning tool – the ones that I would recommend first and foremost is going to be like an air bike or a rower. That said, if you're going to be more likely to use, like I, I understand people like definitive statements, but if you're going to be more likely to use a treadmill or an elliptical, like go and buy the treadmill right. or elliptical. What what piece of equipment are you already using at the commercial gym? You should probably then buy that so you can use it at your domicile. Yeah, dude, it makes total sense. And so um, in closing, you know, like I said, I think you guys are doing an incredible job. If people want to, you know, obviously you can go to garagegymreviews.com to go see all of your different reviews on like tons of products, right? Yeah, thousands at this point. Thousands. Literally. And thousands. you guys, you guys stay authentic to what you're doing. Like I'm here at the HQ. You guys got all this stuff here. It's not like it's like made up, you know? And what I really think is interesting is that at one point you had like containers and garages filled with <laughs> stuff because you, you can't sell it, right? So you get something sent here. Yeah, we don't sell anything. We keep everything or it gets given to friends and family, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of friends that have garages that is just my equipment. Just filled. But what I thought was interesting, the reason why you do it is because you could then later on kind of revert back to it. So like take, for example, I think we were talking about the nanos. So do you have like everything of everything? Oh, sure. Yeah, the, the concept isn't new. Like this is something that's been done in tech. It's just easier to do in other industries. For tech, for instance, people that review phones, yeah. they'll keep every iteration of the phone so then they can compare and contrast. But I can put hundreds of phones in a filing cabinet. I can't do that with squat racks, <laughs> right? So I've got to get creative on how I'm going to do this. But I, I think it's really beneficial both for me when I'm testing products and somebody comes out with a new version to be able to have the old version and the new one side by side so I can say, all right, this is what they changed about this. This is what's better about this one. This is why this one costs more, whatever. 
I really like being able to do that, and that's the reason that I keep everything. So we've got hundreds of barbells, and there's stuff that we've got that they don't sell anymore, but I still like having it so I can compare it to whatever the new stuff is so that people that have the old stuff that they no longer make, I can give them a reason to buy the new stuff or a reason to just keep their old stuff because it's better than whatever new came out. Yeah. Awesome, man. So next steps for Garage Gym Reviews, keep doing what you're doing. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we've grown from just me. We have a team of uh, a little over a dozen people now. Yeah. Uh, other people that are testing and reviewing things. Uh, so it's really fun to see other people's p opinions and perspectives. Uh, and sometimes there's people that disagree with me, and I think it's actually helpful for the audience because we'll present that like – I like to present things as this is my opinion, and they'll present things as their opinion. We're trying to bring on more people that are experts outside of the things that I do. You're an example. So I'm an expert. I can say this. I'm an expert at the gym equipment. But training isn't what I'm an expertise at. I love to train, but that's not like – that's not my goal is to educate people on the training. So bringing and collaborating with people that are like yourself, I think is really beneficial for our audience because they come to us for information on home gyms. I also want to provide resources for them on the training side. And so we're working on how can we create ways to provide just as good of information as what we do on the equipment side as on the training side. So we're working on that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, but you can find us obviously at garagegymreviews.com. We're on YouTube at Garage Gym Reviews or any social platforms from Instagram, TikTok, or whatever at Garage Gym Reviews. Dude, I love it. Well, I'm out here. We're filming some great content, um, incorporating a lot of training, different ideas. I can't wait to see what people think about it. Thank you so much for your time diving into Garage Gym Reviews, talking about ways that people can get started with their at-home gym. And make sure you guys go check out garagegymreviews.com. Thank you. Thanks, Jason.